www.awolfconstruction.net. From the Jet Bros Barbecue Studios, now featuring CBD-infused seltzer to get happy, legal for 18 and up, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Hillary Condon, welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. I'm Matt Norlander momentarily. Kyle Irving, uh, Sporting News on the NBA. Just real quick before we get Matt Norlander, Mike Colossi to Rapids Gazette, mm-hmm. his piece that was just published. Chris Murray is flying up draft boards. You said that the other day, and the blowback was not kind to you, Trent Oh, of Condon. course not, no. Um, and all I said was... That's what you're hearing. That's what I'm hearing, but Inside of course... Inside the building. And I didn't... This is not gospel. He is not staying in the draft automatically. No. But I was told by two different people over the win on Sunday, one on Monday, there is a better chance than not that he is going to stay in the NBA draft. And does that mean a late first-round pick, early second round? Even if there isn't a guarantee, but a better chance than not that he is going to stay in the NBA draft. That will be a blow to Coach McCaffrey and those yes, Hawkeyes. Let's get Matt Norlander in here, CBSSports.com. Matt Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. Know you're busy. Want to talk about the piece that's got a ton uh, of positive response. Uh, you would know more than us, obviously, but seeing your Twitter yesterday. Uh, this is Bracket Buster on steroids is kind of how we described it yesterday and today. What's the likelihood, Matt, that uh, that this comes to fruition? Well, that's the key question. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, I will say the likelihood that this comes to fruition is 95%, but there's a, there, there are distinctions to be made within that statement. Because I think the idea that you're going to have February non-conference games between mid-major teams and good mid-major teams, I think that that will happen. And the reason why I think it will happen is because this has been discussed behind the scenes for a number of months. And WAC Commissioner Brian Thornton, who is quoted in the piece, even told me his initial plan for this was four leagues, and then it grew from four to eight, and then it grew from eight to 12, and now it has reached a point where there are 22 leagues that have at least been receptive to the idea. doesn't mean 22 will do it, but with that in mind, I do think that not next season, this would actually be for the season after, you will have, worst-case scenario, at least four conferences that engage on doing this. Obviously, four would be drastically different from 12, 14, or 16, and what four of those would be would be, would be significant. But I do think we will have this. It's just a matter of how many decide to do it, and those decisions will get made across the next four to 12 weeks because what's going to have to happen is when these leagues go to have their annual league meetings, coaches, ADs, and conference commissioners talk, they will need to come to an agreement. Okay, we want to try this. And if we're going to try this, that means that we can't this summer try and schedule out too many games that would be of home-and-home nature because we're going to have to keep two open non-conference dates available that will be filled by this to-be-named scheduling initiative across many leagues in college basketball. Well, of course, we could get some monsters there, like a Gonzaga-Houston game, something like that would be huge. And you kind of break it down from there. But this is more not those top, top echelon teams that come outside of the the group of seven, if you will, but the next tier down, Missouri Valley. 
You got a UNI team that has a good season going. You got somebody from the MAC that maybe has a chance for one of the few times to get at large. It's about bolstering the resume. And in order to do that, you got to get these matchups right. You talked a lot in the piece about basically an algorithm that puts this together as opposed to a TV network maybe putting this together. The scheduling, how it actually comes to fruition. I know that's still to be worked out, but how do you understand it, how that'll play out, and, and not just getting good TV matchups, but ultimately getting the best ba- basketball matchups for these guys? This is going to be the biggest hurdle to doing this, I think, is the idea that these coaches, who, by the way, it's not their decision. They'll have a vote, but really this is where the commissioners and the league presidents that will ratify this if it goes in, and the ADs need to really assert their power because I think they're more wide-thinking than coaches on this. The games that these teams would play would be out of the hands of any human. So how this would happen, as the story details, is there would be uh, an algorithm of sorts, and it might rely on the net, it might rely on a combination of results-based and predictive metrics, whatever. No matter, Don't worry about how it's done, just know this. Teams that are highly ranked would be guaranteed to be scheduled to play other highly ranked teams, and most importantly, it is a balance. You get a home game and you get a road game. So you will have the benefit of having a really good team come to your place. And yes, you also have the challenge, but also the incredible opportunity to go on the road and play a quad one or quad two game. These pair of games would then, if you can win them, and yes, you have to win them. If you lose them, it will hurt you. But if you win them, my goodness, would you really catapult? Think about a Northern Iowa on February 16th in a given year. Most times, it's not going to be in the conversation for an at-large bid, right? right? It's not going to have really that opportunity to get there. But if Northern Iowa were to play at Loyola Chicago, and then let's just even say it would host Weber State in a year where Weber State's like the clear best team in its conference, mm-hmm. and that game qualifies as a quad two because Weber State ranks you know, 81st in Ken Palm. That's still a high-quality game. It's, it's better than a lot of the games they would have otherwise had in non-conference. And if it were to go 2-0 and in that spot, Northern Iowa would immediately enter into the at-large conversation just by pure function of going 2-0 and in quad one and quad two games, upping its inventory. And so, yes, from a scheduling standpoint, an algorithm in late January, not before the season, after the teams have already kind of shown a lot of what they have, a lot of their strengths, they've already got 20 games under their belt. Then it would determine, all right, at this stage of the season, here's how everyone shakes up. Here's where they stand. We will have the best teams play the other best teams to make sure that you're getting optimal results. And as the story details, they actually ran a simulation on this. Had these 22 leagues that have shown uh, interest in the Missouri Valley is one of those leagues. Had they all been involved a year ago, there would have been 83 combined games that featured quad one and quad two opportunities. That is such a significant number to the point where it could have tangibly impacted for the better at the mid-major level. You might swap out one or two power conference teams and swap in one or two teams from one of these leagues because they would have might have had just enough of a resume to validate putting them in over the likes of a 7th, 8th, ninth place team in a power conference. And there's certainly a clamoring for that to happen. Matt, what, what's the likelihood, Matt, that the power conferences you know, sit on the sidelines and watch this unfold for a couple of years and then want to get involved, uh, make themselves a part of this? Could you see that happening? I don't think that that will ultimately happen because the power conferences, by pure nature of how this thing would work, would have to agree to play a non-conference game against a school in many instances that would be deemed inferior and to do so late in the schedule at a time when 
if you're a non if you're a power conference team, you're adding one more difficult game to the schedule from a perception standpoint. It might not help you. I disagree with that. I think a quad one game is a quad one game and a quad two game is a quad two game. And oh by the way, you might even win that game on the road against a quality mid major and it only reinforces how good you are. But power conference programs and coaches are not uh exactly looking to do that. And it's also important to keep in mind that a lot of these conferences in the ACC, Big Ten, SEC, they are currently, and the con- contracts can always change, of course, but as the TV schedule stands now, there are so many non-conference games that are accounted for between, you know, the Gavit games, or we're going to play in Maui, or we're going to do this tournament, and then we also have to fill up our schedule with a certain number of buy games against low opponents because, well, we got to fill up our, we got to fill, you know, we have to make money as a program and we got to play home games. If we play home games, they got to be these lower teams and we're going to, we're going to pay them off. Some of this stuff is, frankly, it's, it's too complex to even get into on it. But what I do think could potentially happen, this is my dream scenario. I don't know if it'll happen though, is that this happens. Let's say that 16 leagues do this whole deal, right? They do it in 23, 24 and they do it in 24, 25. They do it and it's a success. It's exactly what I'm laying out for you. We look up and we say, man, look at these past two NCAA tournaments. There were two extra mid-majors in this field. And, all right, there was only one extra, one extra mid-major in this field. But there was more. There was a positive impact, right? I could see a situation where then the six remaining leagues say, man, look at how much attention all this got. You know, the Big 12 SEC does the end of January one weekend, you know, thing. I could see a deal where maybe it's the Big 10 and the Pac-12 say, let's just bake in one game for us in February or late January. And then the ACC and the Big East say, we're going to do the same thing, and it would be a great thing for the sport if we could ever get there, this idea that across the sport, either in late January or in February, we just had this, you know, this burst of games where it's non-conference opponents, it's really adding to the speculation of bracketology and, and really just, you know, I think it would just do so much good. And because, remember, the Super Bowl is now going to be a week later on the schedule. Whatever college basketball can do to generate real interest with its actual games before we go to March is paramount. And so that's why I think something like this needs to happen. It's just you got to get these leagues to, ha- to have some faith in it. It's never been done at this level before, ever, with this kind of scope. It is a new thing. They have to just get themselves out of their routines and what they think is safe because I think the positive outcome here for so many schools and so many of these leagues is undeniable. And hopefully the momentum that has been made behind the scenes doesn't get stalled later this month and into June when these leagues hold their annual meetings you know, in the sunny locales of Florida and Arizona and what have you. It'll be nice wherever they're at. I have no doubt about it. Matt, you know, it's crazy to kind of say that, too, in talking about the power leagues. I remember growing up, and I would play Duke during January, and they played North Carolina during conference scheduling. That, that was a component that used to happen back in the 80s and into the early 90s where teams would play a non-conference game during the course of the conference schedule and, and something to kind of mix it up a little bit. It's gone away. The buildup of schedules, obviously, to 18 and now 20 games for a lot of the conference has something to do with it there. But getting away, like you said, getting away from just the way that we've continued to do it and build to this momentum, it'd be a great thing for the game, building college basketball in a sport that had a great year last year. And with the guys sticking around longer, it feels like college basketball has some momentum here 
Now let's find a way to not just continue it, but take it up even another level. I think this would be a great thing, not just for the Missouri Valleys and the Mountain West of the world, but for the Big Ten, for the Big East, for the ACC, Big 12, to go out there and do something different. So what's holding them back outside of, eh, we're just stuck in our ways? What's holding the big conferences back is a 20-game league schedule, TV contract, um, fragile egos, Frady cat mindset. Uh, I have heard from a few coaches that aren't even in love with this concept there because they don't think it's going to benefit them, uh, which I think is misguided and wrong. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mostly it's this it's the twenty game league schedule because you do that you're allowed thirty one games so you have eleven remaining, and then you have let's say you've got eleven remaining and you'll want minimum five of those to be home games against mid major teams. All right, so now you're down to six. Let's say you play in a multi-team event. All right, let's say it's, a, let's say it's one where it's an eight-team event. Okay, great. Now you're down to three because you're going to have to play three games. You have three non-conference games. All right, if you're a Big Ten or Big East team, you're in the Gavit games. Now you're down to two. Two games that you can schedule non-conference-wise that you have control over. And something like this is like, are you going to allow those two games be the ones that are determined by a random algorithm draw against similar teams. It'd be great if that was the case. It's not going to happen. Power conference teams are not going to buy in on this. They're not going to be willing to take this chance. It'd be, I mean, you want to talk about something that would truly change the dynamic of the sport. Doing this across the sport would do it. It's too, it's too big. It's too bold. Uh, too many coaches. Um, are too afraid to do it at the power conference level. Mm-hmm. Uh, away from that, just uh, my last thing for you, Matt. Uh, look, everybody's got their NIL opinion. I think it's the great unknown, which worries people, myself included, as to where it's going to go. But the one thing that is undeniable, as a college basketball fan, we're going to get more Shibway. We got Dickerson for another year. Baycott's going back to North Carolina. That is uh, is, is as, uh, a big a check market you can put in the positive side as any. These guys are staying in school longer, which is great for us fans. Yeah, no, listen, the, the NIL issue is so, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this thing. Um, there are so many laments and complaints behind the scenes. Now, I, I think fans have are a little bit split on it, but ultimately the NCAA is getting what it deserves here. It took forever to try and put rules in place. Now there's going to be this idea that they're going to try and um, loop back around and restrict uh, certain things from happening, maybe not allow these collectives to happen. Um, I have suspicions over whether that's actually feasible and, and allowable uh, in a legal sense there. But yes, um, you are seeing this issue, and this was all predictable. I mean, the, and, and I'm not even, I'm not saying that everything as it currently stands right now is great for college athletics, but also like a part of me, as I really step back and like assess everything that I've been told, all these conversations I've had, part of me is just like, man, just let the pieces fall where they are going to fall. We're going to watch the games. Players still got to play. Coaches still got to coach. You still got to win these games. There's no guarantee that one player going to this place over another place is going to guarantee that that team's going to be better than the one that he would have gone to. So some of this stuff, I, I get it. Like I understand why there's a lot of uh, haranguing over this, but the players deserve the money. There's a difference between a player getting it over his NIL versus like outright seeking it. And I think that'll take a year or two to correct. I don't think that there's going to be a lot of people that are seeking to like willingly burn through tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars on players that might not pan out. There were a lot, you think about how many guys don't work out at the NBA and NFL level, 
right, after they've had a year, two, three, or four in college, do you think people are going to be willing to just continually spend and spend and spend and spend? You know, th- that money's got to go somewhere. People aren't, you know, the kind of people that are willing to give their money away to this kind of stuff, a lot of times those are business people who have gotten to that level where they have that kind of income because they know how to use it. And not getting a return on investment is not a wise business strategy. <laughs> right. So maybe give this a year or two to really shake out, and we'll get to a place where there's always going to be a story like this, story here or there, that's going to be like, whoa, like, get a, get a load of this story. But I don't think it's going to be uh, any kind of virus that's going to continue to infect the NCAA and have any like real tangible impact. People are always going to cheer for laundry. They're going to root for the school they went to or the school that they live by or grew up by, and uh, ultimately – we're going to learn to accept this new normal. Matt Norlander, CBSSports.com, covers college basketball. Matt, thanks for finding time for us. Appreciate it, Matt Norlander. Thank you. Thanks, fellas. Good to talk to you. Matt Norlander, I, I like the concept. I do. I, I wish the Power 7 would get involved yeah. in it. can understand why they don't. Lots to lose is their argument. But same thing, something to win, another quad two, quad one win. Because it'll be cool, yet, you know, the top-level ones. You get a date in San Diego State. That's, yeah, yeah, good game. Yep. We'll watch it. It'll probably be on at a funky time and mm-hmm. might be a 9.30 tip-off or something. But it'll be good and get to a chance to know these teams a little bit better. That's just the key right there. Right. You get to know them before you see them in March or show up in your bracket. Right. So you get that. Gonzaga will get a good game. And, all right, that's different. Remember, the WCC wasn't part of Bracket Busters, so you didn't have Gonzaga. I think they were scheduled to play they Memphis. They were scared, Trent. They were scared. <laughs> I don't think they were scared of Coppin State. But you get a couple of those matchups, but all of a sudden you throw it together and Oh man, yeah. Iowa State's got to go play this good bin major. They got to go play South Dakota State. It'd be, it'd be great. It would be. It'd be great for the college basketball fan. And that's ultimately what it would be all about. Hey, some breaking news here. This uh, came as a surprise. Dave Benz, the play-by-play announcer for the Timberwolves, who we've talked about, the TV guy. Yes. Yeah. On Bally Sports North, right. has been let go. What? For what? What was the reasoning? They're moving in a new direction. Ten years as a play-by-play announcer. He was excellent. Him and Jim Peterson. Yes. Okay, we don't Peters- watch a ton of NBA. No, but, but we see a lot of um, 668. He's, he's good. That's a good team. And they're going a different direction. Peterson looks like he's going to stay, but yeah, in the Star Tribune, it's behind a paywall, so I can't see the full article <laughs> right now. But that one, that was an eye-opener here as uh, as I scrolled through during the last I like, TV I like out. that team. They're, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good listen, yeah. those guys. All right, time for another $1,000 home run. Oh, no. No, it is, Trent. It's time now. Okay, there it is. Delayed pitch. <laughs> right. Uh, enter the uh, this nationwide contest at KXNO.com. Once you see the pop-up docs, what do you do? Enter the keyword win. Win. At KXNO.com, it's your chance to win a thousand dollars. Another opportunity coming up at one o'clock, one ish with uh, in the one o'clock hour with Murph and Andy. This keyword, this hour, win at KXNO.com. NBA chatter next. Miller and Condon uh, on Des Moines Sports Station one hundred six point three. KXNO. The NBA playoff action is nonstop. Well, except for tonight. At DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If you're like me and you're looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs, DraftKings Same Game Parlays can do just that. You create your own parlay, you put a bunch of multiple bets together, which team is going to win, who scores the most, over-under player totals, player props, they got it all. 
You put it all together, boom, you got a shot at a bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place the same game parlay with three or more legs. You'll get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code KXNO. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game. If they do, you get $150 in free bets. That's promo code KXNO. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older. Iowa only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Minimum is a $5 deposit. Treat DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800. Why should you apply for a career with Wolf Construction? It's exciting and it's fresh and it's new every day. It creates new challenges and opportunities each day. I wouldn't want to work anywhere else but Wolf Construction. You can look around and go, wow, look what we've accomplished today as a Wolf team. Wolf offers competitive pay. The benefits are great. They have a matching 401k. Don't wait. Apply today at Wolf Construction. Get on board here. Join us here at Wolf Construction. Sign up and let's go. Wolf Construction is a great place to be. Apply today at relief.com. Most everyone knows that the Grumpy Goat Tavern has great lunches and dinners. But did you know that the Grumpy Goat Tavern also has breakfast? Classics like steak and eggs, the hangover burrito, chorizo, biscuits, and gravy. You can step it up with the shrimp and grits, breakfast fried rice, or hot chicken and waffles. And don't forget the big-ass cinnamon roll. Plus, bottomless Bloody Marys and mimosas. Do brunch at the Grumpy Goat Tavern, Mills Civic in West Des Moines, 50th Street in West Des Moines. A member FDIC. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Here's Ken and Trent. All right, welcome back. Just past 1130 on a Thursday Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent's play of the day. Uh, still to come, Circus Sports sponsors it. A lot of day baseball today. Uh, NHL back in full swing tonight. The NBA takes the night off, uh, which is perfect timing for Kyle Irving to have a little free time to join us. He writes for the Sporting News, uh, and he joins the program. Hey, hello, Kyle. Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's a day off from NBA basketball, but the grind doesn't stop. Still got to, you know, keep evaluating these these series and see where we're going from here. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to watch how they've unfolded so far. Milwaukee, Boston, uh, that was, um, I mean, Boston just came out game number two. So what was what was more surprising, game one or game two in that series? Milwaukee thumps them in game one. Boston uh, turns the table game two. I honestly thought game two was a little bit more surprising to me just after, you know, the whooping that Milwaukee handed to Boston the game before. And I was really impressed with the adjustments that head coach Ime Udoka made for the Boston Celtics. I mean, they were trapping and double-teaming Giannis on every single possession in that first game. And as a result, he ended up with his second career playoff triple-double. He dished out 10 assists, and he was finding three-point shooters all over the floor. Where in game two, they made the adjustment to defend Giannis straight up. They have guys that can kind of take on his muscle and Al Horford and Grant Williams, and they both did a terrific job. And as a result, the Bucks didn't get as many open threes. So now I'm curious to see where we go from here in game three because the Bucks' offense got really stagnant. A lot of guys just standing around on the perimeter watching Giannis try and play one-on-one. Self still did, still did a good job of helping on drives to make life difficult for him. So it's going to be a chess match in the series, and it really feels like one that might go the distance. Did I see correctly that the reason that the series had to shift back a day in Golden State here in San Francisco because at the arena – there's a comedian, Joe Coy, that is what? playing. That's the reason for it. Did, is that? Do I have this story right, Kyle? I actually don't know, but if okay. that's the case, that is mind-blowing because <laughs> I, couldn't, 
I couldn't wrap my mind around the idea that the two teams that played no last kidding. night, the, the Dallas and Phoenix series and the Philly-Miami series, is going to play their game three before the other two series that played on Tuesday. So that's bizarre. Yeah, that does that doesn't make a lot of sense. Where'd you see that, Trent? It's- I uh, I heard it in passing. Uh, Cousin Sal, who does a sports okay, betting yep. podcast, he mentioned that that was what. But I don't know if he's friends with a comedian or just throwing him under the bus or what. But I, I guess that it would make sense because why would you have two teams play last night? Right. Have a day off, then those so- same two games. Come back on Friday. It just it doesn't make a lick of sense. Yeah, for a comedy show of all things, right. interesting. You know what? Uh, back to the first round, just for a second, Kyle. You know what I've uh, found uh, watching Phoenix as they struggled with New Orleans. Um, if, if you're looking to um, you know buy stock or something in a team that seems like they're on the come, I, I couldn't be uh, come away with that after the first round series more impressed with the team than a losing team that I did in New Orleans. I thought the Pelicans would be fodder. I get that Booker got hurt early in the se- in the series, etc. But the Pelicans, after the start that they had, were lucky, I thought, to even get into the playoffs, which is probably unfair because they deserve to get there, as we as come to find out. They're, they're a legit team. They're, they're a team on the come, aren't they? They are. And, I mean, when you look at Zion Williamson's return next year and the pieces that that team has in place, whether it's C.J. McCollum, Jonas Valanciunas, some of the young guys that were playing big minutes in the rotation, and Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado. I mean, they're pulling these guys out of the woodworks and throwing them into a playoff game and going toe-to-toe with the best team in the NBA all season. I was really impressed with the Pelicans as well. I have to admit, I was pretty down on them coming into this year, but I didn't expect them to have you know, an undrafted rookie, a second-rounder, and a first-rounder all making contributions in a playoff game. But I think you're right. The future's bright in New Orleans. They have a couple draft picks this year. Uh, they actually have the Lakers pick. So, I mean, it's going to get interesting for New Orleans in, in seeing how fast that uh, rebuild kind of processes with Zion Williamson's return next year. So the team that got knocked off by the Suns in CP3 last night, that fourth mm. quarter, he scores or assists on 19 straight points to begin the quarter. Well, look like maybe we're going to have an intriguing fourth quarter. Certainly did not turn out. This guy at this point in his career, how he has gone from lightning quick as a rookie, incredibly fast guy, to now just that savvy veteran presence at a point guard. They call him the point god, but watching his play <laughs> this late in his career, it's incredible to watch and, and kind of a rarity in today's NBA. It really is. I mean, the fact that we're watching Chris Paul still do this at age 37 in the year 2022 is mind-blowing, especially with you know all the injuries that he was coming down with in Houston uh, after his Clippers days. It seemed like injuries were eventually going to take him away from the game, but I mean, he's still producing. And like you said, this guy, it was a masterclass last night. He was attacking Luka Doncic on every single possession. And the thing that makes the Suns so special is even if Chris Paul needs to take a playoff, he just dishes it off to Devin Booker and he can go give you a bucket anywhere on the floor. But the thing that blows my mind is the Suns are 52-0 and this year when they're leading after three quarters. And, I mean, when you watch them play like they did last night and you're, you're seeing how Chris Paul operates the way he does in the fourth quarter, it starts to make a little bit more sense because he plays with such a calmness and, you know, so much poise. But, I mean, that team is really, really impressive. And the fact that they're able to put away anybody, any team on any given night with a lead after three quarters, tells you everything you need to know about them being a title contender this year. No, no question about it. Well, conversely, from Chris Paul on one side of the scale to James Harden literally on the on the heavy end of the scale, uh, you know, he was such a good player, and I get that, you know, no Joel Embiid, etc., and he's asked to do a lot, but there were times that, that he would have shouldered that load. His age caught up with him already. He's going to be 33 in August. He just last couple of years hasn't looked like the same guy. This is not the James Harden that you know we knew even two years ago. It's, it's mind-blowing to think that it was two years ago 
that he was uh, collecting his third consecutive scoring title. And it's just not even close to the same player that we're seeing out there now. Like you said, I mean, with Joel Embiid out, you would expect this guy to shoulder a heavier load, take on way more shots, look more aggressive. And that just hasn't, hasn't been the case. I mean, in the first half, he kind of showed signs of that last night. I think he had like 16 points. He was getting to the free throw line a little bit more. And I was starting to think, all right, maybe, you know, Harden's going to turn back the clock to, you know, the prolific scorer that we knew so well. And all of a sudden, he takes five shots in the second half. He only hits one of them. He only scored four points in the second half for the second game in a row. And really, when the Sixers needed him most, he just hasn't been there for him. And I think it was J.J. Redick that said it the other day. But uh, he really has made that transition to just a facilitator at this point in his career. And it's shocking to see how fast that happened, especially considering at the beginning of the year, it felt like he was scoring the ball pretty well for Brooklyn. So I don't know if it's just fatigue or maybe he's out of shape or maybe, you know, he just doesn't care all that much. But it doesn't seem like James Harden is too invested in becoming, you know, the player that could average a 30-point triple-double in his sleep, it seemed like, just two years ago. Kyle Irving joining us from the Sporting News. Most intriguing series, no doubt, has been Golden State-Memphis, in my mind. What we've seen in the first two games here, down to the wire on both of them. John making plays all over mm. the place, getting that Game 2 victory. And yes, Joe Coy is playing both tonight and tomorrow Jeez. night at Chase have Arena. You heard, seriously, have you heard of yeah, Joe Coy? I, I, have? I have, okay. yeah. I at least have heard of him, all but... Right. That is the reason that they got to push this thing back to Saturday. You know, uh, the series, though, how it plays out, Golden State got the split on the road. They come back home, and they still got three now inside their own building, regardless of when they'll be played. Who do you like in this series? I still like the Golden State Warriors. To me, it almost feels like they're playing with their food a little bit. I think that, (laughs) you know, they know that they can kind of turn it on and off. But every time that I think that, John Morant really just flips the switch where, it just makes me believe that he can take over a series in an almost an Allen Iverson-esque way and just make anything happen, even if you know the other team has three future Hall of Famers on it. I mean, what he did in Game 2 was absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. He scored the Grizzlies' last 15 points. I mean, he, was, he turned that last two minutes of the game of a one-possession playoff game into a hoop mixtape. The guy was, you know, he nearly snapped Jordan Poole in half on a half-hesitation spin. He had a deathly floater over the top of Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins. I mean, this guy is... He's incredible, and to be doing this at just 22 years old, it's remarkable. But I still really do feel like the Golden State Warriors, when they start putting their mind to it and they start buckling in, especially here when the series goes back to the Bay, I feel like they're going to turn it on and be able to pull away with this one. You know, Morant, seemingly every playoffs, uh, every, every year we see one of these young guys uh, that, that, uh, that establishes themselves you know, amongst the league's best. Um, he was, he was, he's always been really good, right? When he got out of college, we anticipated. But maybe not to this level. Is Morant the guy this year that's breathing that rarefied air and is going to, you know, leave this playoffs, whether it's after a Golden State or should they get to the Western Conference final as one of those guys that uh, put themselves up on the, with the upper echelon of players in the NBA? Yeah, I absolutely think so. And, you know, for a guy that was picked second overall, I do feel like he gets talked about as an underdog a little bit and I think that you know that goes along with him being a smaller guard Mm -hmm. mid-major school everything like that but I mean if anything this guy is just proving that he really can be the number one guy a leader on a team this Memphis Grizzlies team is not a team of the future this team is here right now and they're another team that has a lot of draft picks coming up in this draft that they can play around with move pieces around so I really do feel like you know even if they come up short against a, a Golden State Warriors team that has more experience than anybody else in these playoffs I feel like the Memphis Grizzlies are here for, you know, the the current, the present day, and the future. And John Moran is going to be the engine that drives that bus. He's been absolutely incredible. He's blown me away with what he's done in the playoffs this year. He's been incredible. So uh, are you anticipating the finals, uh, the conference final will be Suns, 
Golden State uh, in the West, conversely, Miami and see. This is where I get tripped yeah. up. Uh, how, how do you see? Uh, who would you? Who do you pick uh, to prevail, Bucks Celtics? I honestly think without Chris Middleton coming back in the mm. series right now, they said it's not looking good. Uh, you know, he's dealing with that MCL sprain, and uh, the last that Adrian Wojnarowski reported, uh, originally he was going to be evaluated after Game Two, and he's not even really ready for uh. that evaluation yet. So. If Middleton's not going to be back, I think we saw, you know, in Game Two, what happens when the Bucks are really down a playmaker and a creator the way that Middleton is. So, you know, I mean, there's going to be adjustments to be made in Game Three, but I really feel like after that Game Two showing from the Boston Celtics, it seems like without Middleton on Milwaukee side, they just have a little bit more firepower. And when Jalen Brown's getting going, and we really still haven't even seen Jason Tatum get going the way that he did in the first round. So I'm going to go Heat Celtics. And uh, I'm going to go Warrior Suns on the other side. Great stuff. Kyle Irving, Sporting News, where you can read them. Uh, listen, we appreciate you coming on. Hopefully you'll find time for us once the uh, conference finals are set. Kyle, really enjoyed this segment. Thank you very much. Of course. Anytime, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You as well. Kyle Irving uh, covers the NBA at SportingNews.com. Uh, yeah, I'm, I think it's, it's Phoenix. I still like Golden State. I do too. And, you know, Morant's got the ball in his hand in game one, and that thing just doesn't fall. Mm-hmm. But I thought Golden State was the best team in game two. And then Philadelphia is going to roll over the Sixers, probably sweep them, I would think. Miami, you mean? Yeah, yeah big your part, right? Yeah. Miami, uh, just roll. We'll see. It's been fun. We haven't had a seven game series yet either. Nope. As good as, as, as good as it's been. No game seven. Yeah. This one, Memphis it's, Golden State's going great. It's not going game seven. I don't think. I think six. Goes in six. I think now, conversely... Will Joe Coy have a... (laughs) So what does he do, Trent? He's just a comedian. He's just a comedian. He's not a comedian on TV or nothing like that? No. Young guy, old guy? Uh, He's probably like my age. Late 30s, early 40s, something like that. He's been around. Not safe to be a comedian lately. (laughs) Apparently not. Jesus, they rushed the stage at the Hollywood Bowl the other day. Um I don't get it. Joe Coy preventing us from watching NBA basketball tonight. We will take a timeout. Trent's play of the day. Circus Sports sponsors that. It's next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.hsalumni.com. Get in on the action with the world's largest sports book. Right at your fingertips. Circus Sports Iowa is where the pros play. Enjoy the highest limits, lowest takeouts, and competitive betting menus. Download, fund, and bet from anywhere in Iowa. Circus Sports Iowa. Sports betting the way it should be. Download your new bookie today. Visit circusports.com. Must be over 21 and present in Iowa to bet. Have a gambling problem? Call 1 800 Tide Lock. The Grumpy Goat Tavern provides a rustic, comfortable atmosphere with reclaimed barnwood, sleek modern finishes, and a one-of-a-kind environment that you have to see to believe. Featuring a fresh menu, friendly neighborhood service, 50-tap beers, and sports. The Grumpy Goat Tavern is the place to be for any occasion. Catch all of the games all summer long at the Grumpy Goat Tavern with two locations in West Des Moines and one on First Street in Ankeny. Grumpy Goat is more than just a restaurant. It's local. It's for you. It's your tavern. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Trent's Pick of the Day is brought to you by Circus Sports. Download the Circus Sports app today to play with Trent or against him. All right, 10 minutes before noon, Miller and Condon, final segment, Circus Sports sponsors. Trent's Play of the Day. No basketball. Nope. Because of, what's his name? Joe Coy. Joe Coy. You gotta find a joke. I'm gonna find a good one to send to you. See if I can get you a joke. Joke, joke. As you're yelling, 
and fired up that you can't watch NBA today. Yeah, it's well focus on the on the puck, right? Because there's a ton of day baseball. Am I accurate on yes, that? Yes, you're exactly right on that. I think uh, maybe a half dozen games, something like that. Well, since we don't have basketball, it's a good time to look at series prices and circa. As we continue to tell you, chop around. You're gonna find certainly certainly series prices. I found out with the wild. A lot better at Circa than anywhere else. What did you get? So you bet the Wild win after they lost game after one? game one. Got him at plus one seventy five. Wow. Other shops I saw plus one thirty. You're kidding. That's ugly. That's a huge difference. That's not a nickel or a dime. That's big. It was uh, one was one fifty five. One was one fifty, and then I saw one thirty out there. I'm like, wow. What Circa plus one seventy five? And we we to be fair. Mm-hmm. It's not always Circa. That's no, it the is best no, price. So right. like, they tell you shop right. around. Find your best price. In in the long run, you won't lose as much. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to put it. All right, the Sixers. Seven to one. They have no choice. Tr- come on. Don't don't waste your money. If I was down two oh, the Mavericks a plus seven forty five. That at least is a thought process. Well they got the they got one of the best players right. in the game. You can at least talk yourself yes. into that one better than the Sixers at even a work. Now James Hart James Harden from two years ago? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Bucks. Even money. Celtics, he got a lay, minus 120. And I couldn't tell you who's going to win that series. I, I would be guessing. Celtics? I guess. Giannis is the best player in the world. Warriors, minus 335. See, I'm not surprised it's that big. I, I think that the... Uh, I thought they were the best team on the floor in game number two. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that one. The Grizzlies, plus 280. Kind of hard. At one apiece. Yeah. I won't be playing any of those series prices mm-hmm. right now. I'm going to wait if I'm uh, going to jump back aboard. But I'm playing stuff today, as you can imagine. Free square. Down 2 nothing yesterday. Trent, it's un- unbelievable. They are as, as bad a team as Major League Baseball has seen since when? The, the 88 Orioles? Well, it's certainly the Tigers team of what, the early 2000s that lost 112 games or whatever it was. Yeah. They're in the running there. We're talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Right. Milwaukee today, minus one and a half, and I've been doing that on top of it. So instead of having to lay like minus 230, and that's what they are today, it's minus 105 laying a run and a half. I will happily do that with the Milwaukee Brewers. Also more baseball uh, this afternoon. I'm going to take Colorado minus 132. Like the pitching matchup here. I think you're also going to see some runs. I'm also maybe thinking about uh, dabbling with an over there. But Rockies for the time being. And give me tonight. The Cardinals, plus money as they take on San Francisco out in San Fran, plus 113, uh, the number there. And I got hockey on top of it. Don't don't worry. I'm anxious to hear your plays. Florida's not losing two in a row. I don't think so. They're no. too good. Yes, I agree. How about I parlay them with the Colorado Avalanche? They're a free square. Put that together. Mm-hmm. Minus 122. Mm-hmm. So basically playing about the, I like that price. What is it if you add Calgary? If you add Calgary, let me uh, get out the old calculator here, and we'll throw them all together. So three home teams. Florida to even up their series. Colorado to go up two zip. Calgary to go up two zip. Okay. Florida is minus 244. Colorado is minus 348. Calgary is minus 230. We put them all together. We hit the parlay button, and it takes it up to plus 160 at Circa. Other shops, plus 143, plus 150. There you go. Another example of it. at Circa. So uh, you think I should do that, huh? Uh, I mean, I love Florida. I love Colorado. I think Calgary will win. Dallas gave them a pretty good they tussle did. the other night. And I was on Dallas. And I watched Were, that uh, one. That's right. I remember yeah. you saying that. And they're tonight a little better than 2-1. to one. I think plus 208 at Circa. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I just hope we get some overtime. Pittsburgh and the Rangers, they played six periods. Not quite. Five. Uh, Is that going to be something on the legs, you think, tonight? I don't think so. Early in the playoffs. If it was you know, later on in the playoffs, maybe. But, uh, right. boy, New York needs it. All right. Uh, what do we got? Murph and Andy, an hour, five minutes. The Fanatics at three. It's Thursday night. Joe Stacy and Barnstormer Weekly will be on these airwaves tonight at six o'clock. Uh, thanks for being with us. We're Miller and Condon. You can hear Trent and myself weekdays from 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.